We are continuing our series through uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And two weeks ago, Ant spoke from a portion of Mark 8, uh, where Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. Today, the portion of Mark that I'm speaking from is Mark 9, 14 to 29. And I believe that God's given me a word for you guys uh, out of these verses. And I hope to help clarify something what's going on in this story and how it affects our lives today. The passage I'm reading from is entitled, Jesus heals a boy possessed by an impure spirit. Well, that's how this title is in my Bible. These, these titles are added, they're not part of the original scripture. And uh, I'd like to change that, I'll change the title and my preach to Jesus shows us how to dismantle the stronghold of unbelief. These verses are just before, uh, the, the, the verses before, the t- um, it's titled The Transfiguration, and it's for the account where Jesus and his disciples well, three disciples, Peter, John, and James, come, uh, he takes them up into a mountain and side, and then uh, he's transformed before their eyes, and he, and he becomes all white, and his clothes are all white, dazzling white. And Peter is where, if you can remember the story, is where Peter is so frightened that uh, he, he says, doesn't know what he's saying, he just says, I, I, can we build three shelters for, for, for you? And, um, but that, that's where um, uh, God speaks through the cloud and he says, uh, Jesus, um, no, he says, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And the, the verses that I'm, I'm preaching from uh, happen straight after this. And what it is, the disciples are coming down and Jesus come down from the mountain. And uh, we start from verse 14. And it says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I've asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him to to Jesus. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy to the ground and he convulsed. He rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. It often thrown him into fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus... Jesus said, if you can. Wow, I see what's going on here. This story is not really about the boy. 
this story is really about the father. It's about the, his heart and the condition of his heart and how and what he has come to believe about God. Proverbs 13, 12 puts it this way. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Put, your place, put yourself in the place of the father for a moment and just think what he's been going through and what the family's been going through. Their precious boy has been like this for many years, ever since he was a child. The, the father has probably, and the whole family have probably become accustomed to his seizures, coping as best they could with the demonic possession, and probably had learned how to protect him and shield him, keeping him from falling into the fire and river whenever the demon took hold of him. But they had long ago stopped believing that he would ever be able to speak again or be free from the demon. They had probably by now had given up taking the boy to the priests and the teachers of the law. Nothing ever seemed to work. No prayers, no sacrifices, no man could help them. And they've been down that road so many times before. Every time to come back bitterly disappointed. None of the teachers of the law could explain why their son was like this. Why God was punishing them. What had they done to deserve this? The teachers of the law would probably say that this was a curse passed down from generation to generation, a sin of one of their forefathers passed down to their innocent son. But why was that fair? Why was God punishing them for someone else's sin? Why was the, this innocent boy suffering for something he was not guilty of? Someone else's guilt. How is that even fair? I would imagine that the priests and the teachers of the law had long since given up on them and would have considered them an annoyance, an irritation, a constant reminder that they were grossly inadequate, not possessing the ability or power to deliver the boy and set him free. They probably reverted to a textbook reply whenever confronted with this issue. And with an attempt to justify their inadequacy and cover over their lack of power, they have built a theology all around this issue, condemning the boy and his family to a lifetime of misery. This would explain what was going on when Jesus turned up to find that his disciples and the teachers of the law were arguing. Jesus was not dealing merely with a demonic possession here. It was pretty clear that he and his disciples, disciples have walked straight into the middle of a stronghold, into the stronghold of unbelief. Prolonged disappointment creates a stronghold 
of unbelief. Prolonged disappointment creates a stronghold of unbelief. But if you can do anything, take pity on us, the Father would say. Verse 23, Jesus replies, if you can. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Believes what? Believes that God is powerful, that he can heal, that he can do miracles. That goes without saying, if you are a believer, if you believe in God, you also believe that he is powerful and is able to do miracles, he's able to heal, he's able to set free. That goes without saying. But I don't believe that Jesus was referring to, that was what Jesus was referring to when he said, everything is possible for the one who believes. I believe Jesus was about to demonstrate how to tear down a stronghold. Delivering the boy was the easy part for Jesus. Tearing down the stronghold was the thing. All Jesus needed to do was say, get out and the demon will be gone and never return. That was the easy part, delivering him. No, the stronghold was not that people, the people were believing that God was not able, but God was not willing. They had come to believe that God was indifferent to their plight. God was not willing to engage with them anymore. Imagine the world in which Jesus, the Son of God, was born into. He was born among a people who had not heard from God for 400 years. 400 years of silence. No word from God, no work of God, no prophet, nothing for 400 years. Just silence. No wonder they had become stagnant and built a whole religion around going through the motions washing of cups, observing days, precepts upon precepts, fragments of a religion long gone stale. They had developed 300 laws of things not to do. Trying to please this God that they considered distant. Laws put into effect to cover up their inadequacy and to cover up their shame, the reality that they had no longer could see God, hear God, or believe in the heart of God. Verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. Desperate now, desperate now not to lose the moment not to let this moment slip through his fingers. He had heard rumors of this, this prophet from Nazareth. He had heard of the miracles that followed him. And he was desperate now not to lose him. 
how everywhere the father went, he could hear whispers of this man from Nazareth, this prophet, this miracle worker. And he could hear whispers of people every time he took his son out. Oh, what a shame. If only, if only Jesus, if only they can get this boy to Jesus, if only he can get an audience with Jesus, then maybe, just maybe, he could be healed. That's why he sought out Jesus. That's why he sought out his, his disciples. He wanted to see Jesus, to give his boy a, one last chance, his precious boy, just one last chance to be healed. You can hear it in his voice. Help me overcome my unbelief. So Jesus does exactly that. Exactly what the Father is asking. He sets about pulling down the stronghold of unbelief and gives the, boy, gives the boy's father a glimpse of the father's heart and demonstration that, G, that God loves him. He shows him that, he, that God loves him, that he hasn't been holding back on him, and that his desire is to bless him and heal him and heal them both. Not merely from demonic possession, but ultimately to free them from the power, this powerful delusion, this stronghold that had taken over their hearts and minds, the notion that God was uninterested in them and that was, he was indifferent to their struggles. Jesus, in an instant, shatters that delusion, that lie, and with seven simple words, he frees the boy. Verse 25. When Jesus saw the crowd running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, come out. I command you. And never enter him again. The spirit shrieked convulsed him violently and, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Yes. Years of bondage, years and years of disappointment were all gone in an instant the boy was free and so was his father the father's heart was free again he hadn't felt like this for many years what was that feeling what was that feeling joy joy wow he hadn't felt like that for so long Oh, and something else, something deep within him, something that had held his heart prisoner for so long, the stronghold of unbelief was finally broken. Oh, and he was free again. He was free to believe in a good God. 
a good father, a faithful God, a heavenly father that loved him and wanted nothing but the best for him. He felt faith well up within him to believe in a good God again. The stronghold of unbelief was broken. Last week we sang a song, Good, Good Father. It goes, I, I've heard many voices of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and I'm never alone. You're a good, good father, and I'm loved by you. Anne's words to us last, last, uh, two weeks ago from Mark 8 asked a question. Well, it's the question that Jesus was asking his disciples. Well, what about you? Who do you say I am? Anne's question to us is, who is Jesus to you? Who do you say he is? And I'm asking a similar question today. Who do you say God is? Who do you say the heavenly your heavenly father is? Who is God to you? Does he care for you? Do you seem fully engaged in your life to bring about good for you? To bless you and to give you a hope and a future? Is he a good God, a good father? Or do you see him as distant? A distant God who may come through for you if he's feeling generous. The boy's father was free. The boy's, the boy's father's unbelief had been shattered by Jesus and God was revealed to him as a good, good father. He wasn't holding back on him. Verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? That's a good question. The disciples seemed to be perplexed by their inability to drive out this demon. But they had seen it before, you see. If you remember, they, they, Jesus sent them out, the 72, and they came back with these stories of miracles and healings. And they were so excited. And they said, even the demons submit to us in your name. So it was quite a valid question. Why couldn't we drive it out? And his reply to them can only really be understood through a true understanding of who God is a good, good father. His reply in 29 is, this kind can come out only by prayer. This kind? What kind? Now, if you've been following my thought process through this whole time, you probably know exactly what I'm about to say. What kind? What is Jesus talking about when he says, this kind? Is he saying that this kind of demon is too powerful to be driven out by a word and the power of Jesus' name? Is that what Jesus is saying? I doubt that very much. 
I doubt that what Jesus was saying when he said this kind. I believe when Jesus said this kind, he was referring to the stronghold of unbelief. A stronghold that was protecting the demon and preventing its exposure. The father, the teachers of the law, the family, even the, the people of the town had built a stronghold of unbelief that prevented the boy from being set free. And this stronghold comes crumbling down the moment Jesus reveals the heart of God, a good father. And so this finally brings us to the last three words that Jesus says, only by prayer. What is this prayer that Jesus is talking about? This stronghold of unbelief in them, in the Father, in the people, in the disciples, in us, can only be broken by a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. A daily communion with the God of love who says to us daily, I love you, I love you. The prayer that Jesus is talking about is a place to sit and hear God for yourselves, to hear the tender whispers of love coming from the Father. And it's the only place where we can be free, where our minds and our hearts can be changed and we can come to believe that everything is possible for the one who believes. It's only after you discover that your heavenly Father loves you, loves all mankind, he's not holding back on you. It's only in that place of intimate prayer, that close communion with your heavenly Father, that you can come out fully convinced in a good good God and that's where the strongholds of unbelief are broken in that place now in conclusion I'd like to pray for you there are people listening to this word today who are struggling to believe in a good God the circumstances of your life the current state of the world and the many, many disappointments that you have had to endure have left you numb to the possibility and notion of a good God. You may even be thinking, just like the people of Jesus' time, that if I just do the right thing, if I just if I'm just good, if I can just be good enough, then God will love me. I like to tear down that stronghold today because that's a lie. I like to pray for a paradigm shift and a rewiring of your heart and minds. Once you start to see yourself through the loving arms of your a loving eyes of your father 
you will come to realise that there is nothing that you can do to make him love you. He already does. So I'd like to pray for you now. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, this service today, I'd like to give you the opportunity to know that good, good Father. So just quieten yourself and I, I want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are a good, good Father, that you loved us, that you, you sent your only Son to die for us. I thank you, Lord, that your heart is towards us and not against us, my God, that you love us so much and yet we, we sometimes forget and not know that, Lord. So, Lord, whoever's listening to this, this service right now, I pray, my God, that you will enter into their lives, my God, and show them that love. Show them your goodness. Show them your grace. Show them how much you love them, my God. Surround them with your presence, my God. Let them hear the whispers, the tender whispers of love in the dead of night that says, I love you. I love you. Oh Lord, touch every heart, my God. In your mighty name, I pray, Jesus. Amen.